You want to read them along? Verses 1 through 16, and then we'll jump down to the last two verses. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me from behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be a night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you for me in, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. And then down to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful psalm. We pray that we would have David's meditation as the own meditation of our heart. In your son's name, amen. You can be seated. So the life of David presents a real dilemma. We've been going through it in the evening service in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And the dilemma is simple, is that he commits adultery, he murders, and then he repeatedly fails to discipline his family members. You've got to remember that Joab is his nephew. Time and time again, with Absalom, with all of them, he fails in really big ways. And yet, in 1 Samuel 13, it refers, or referring to David, it says, the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. So that's the dilemma. How can a murderer, adulterer, a man who fails so epically in his family be called a man after God's own heart? I think there's a lot of ways to answer that question, but I think Psalm 139, these last two verses, 23 and 24, give us a compelling uh, answer to it. So listen again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. So in these two verses, David seeks to apply the doctrine of God's uh, uh, omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, all that he describes in verses 1 through 16, he, he seeks to apply it to his own life. David knows that our holy God is everywhere, and he sees everything. He knows everything. Therefore, he wants to live in the light. He wants to be found pleasing to God. He desires for his sins to be found out. They are already known to God, but now he wants them to be made known to himself. He wants to see it. He says, see if there be any hurtful way in me. And the old KJV is, is better here. It translates hurtful as wicked. 
um, or if you have, I think the SV or NIV is offensive, and there would be anything that's found offensive to God. Uh, so David wants his wickedness to be sniffed out by the Holy Spirit hound dog. That's what he wants. He, like God, desires truth in the inward parts. Uh, in, in that way, he has a heart like God's heart. God wants truth. God wants holiness everywhere. And so does David. He hates sin and loves holiness. Even though that there's sin in his life, he hates it. And the sin that he doesn't see, he wants to be shown to him. The wicked are simply not like that. The unregenerate aren't like that at all. Watson says, a corrupt heart loves the comforts of the word. Loves the comforts of the word. But not the reproofs, right? It likes the nice, warm stuff, stuff that goes on a coffee mug, stuff that goes in a Bible promise book, you know, and some painting with some bird flying, some guy on a cliff thinking about life, and there's like half a verse out of context. They love that sort of stuff. Amos 5.10 says, They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks with integrity. The heart of the unregenerate hates to be corrected. They hate it. They hate to have all its lies revealed by the spotlight of God's truth. And yet David, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. So how do you know if you have a heart like David? Well, one is that you want this this searching to happen, the word of God to search you this way. But I'm going to give you three evidences so you can just think about this yourself. These are proof or evidences that, um, that you have a heart after God, a heart like David's. So the first one is you desire to sit under heart-searching preaching. That's what you want. You look for a church that will preach to your conscience. Spurgeon once quipped, we hear complaints that the minister speaks too harshly and talks too much of judgment. Saved sinners never make that complaint. Watson says, who cares for medicine that will not work? A lot of people are going to church, and the medicine that they're being given is no medicine at all. It's snake oil, right? It's just water. It doesn't do anything. Christians want to be holy, and holiness requires preaching that speaks to the conscience. It's hard. It's hard to sit underneath that preaching, just like it's hard to have a bone set, just like it's hard to have surgery. It's hard to have any sort of uh, corrective medicine applied to you. It's hard. But those that want to be healthy uh, look for that sort of ministry. So that's the first one. You desire to sit underneath heart-searching preaching. Secondly, you desire that your sin be uncovered. That's something you want. Sin is destructive, and it's a cancer you want removed. Watson again says, we do not want sin covered, but cured. So we want to be found out. Spurgeon says, coals of fire cannot be concealed beneath the most sumptuous, or the most, uh, the most elegant apparel. Uh, they will betray themselves with smoke and flame, nor can darling sins be long hidden beneath the most ostentatious profession. They will sooner or later discover themselves and burden sad holes in the man's reputation. Sin needs quenching in the Savior's blood, not concealing under the garb of religion. And that is what most people think Christianity is. Even the ones they say that they, they want relationship, right, not religion, like Renton was talking about this morning in Sunday school. 
the people that say they want relationship are the people that especially want religion, right? They are the biggest liars. They want the sort of thing that will cover their sin so they don't have to deal with it. That's what the whole relationship thing is, camouflage. Um, But you, if you have a heart like David, a heart after God, you want the darkness to be exposed in your own life. You hate it. It's bad. It's destructive. Third, you are thankful for correction. You appreciate reproof. In Psalm 141, David says, Let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It's oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it. For still my prayers against the wicked, their wicked deeds. There's a great prayer, right? Don't let me resent. Don't let me resent this blessing, God. He says it's like oil. David loved correction. And he saw it as love and kindness. That's why he liked it. You know, it's hard. Uh, I, I, anyone here that played sports knows, or there's some musicians here, you know this too. Any, anything like a teacher or a coach, a lot of times they give you they're hard on you, right? And they make you keep repeating something over and over again. And even though, like, the first time they had you do it, right, you got a little bit better. And you got a little bit better each time. And they keep pushing you harder and harder and harder, right? They do it because they want you to be better. They're trying to set something right. Well, God's like that. He's bringing you into alignment with his law because what is holy is also good. Right? God's holiness, lawfulness leads to the good life. And he's a good dad and he loves you. So love it. Watson says, I love this one. Suppose a man were in the mouth of a lion and another should shoot the lion and save the man. Would he not be thankful? So when we are in the mouth of sin as of a lion and the minister by a reproof shoots this sin to death, shall we not be thankful? When someone delivers you from destruction, from destructive sin, shouldn't you be thankful? If you know how bad sin is, put Jesus on the cross with God's displeasure on him, right? Cost him his life, shed his blood. Very costly. You see it in your lives of your friends. If you remember how destructive sin is, the fact that someone would take the time to love you and deliver you from it, that ought to lead to thankfulness. So, three proofs. You desire to sit underneath preaching that speaks to the conscience. You desire that your sin be uncovered. And when it is, by that ministry of a preacher or even by a friend, you're thankful. If that's true of you, it can be said that, like David, you have a heart after God's. Okay? So let's pray, and may this inform our time of prayer. Father, we, we sin 10,000 times a day and more. We break your law in so many ways. Oh, that we would be proud and this fact be true, is the insanity of our condition. O oh Lord, reveal to us how desperately we need to practice repentance in all of life. Show us the wonderful balm that is in your gospel. At first it stings, but then it heals, Lord. So Lord, we pray that we would look for that sting. We'd look for the healing balm of truth, God, and not resent it when it comes. God, make us holy. Look for any hurtful, offensive, wicked way in us and extract it by your Holy Spirit working through your church. We ask this in the name of your Son. Amen.